Ready, all on board the Astro 2000. I was thinking last night we are almost. Look at us. Can't believe. Getting closer. <laughs> Ready to enter into the astral realms. We have Sri Yukteswarji and Paramahansa Yogananda as our guides. They're going to be on to the left. You can see <laughs> this astral world, and on the right, you can see that astral world. Where we are now. And where we left off, I believe, after seven weeks, it's a little hard to remember. But we're on page 402 of the 43rd chapter. And thus far, Sri Yukteswarji has, you know, he materialized, he resurrected his body after his passing to Paramahansa Yogananda here in Mumbai, which is one thing we're very, I don't know why, but we're very proud of the fact that it happened here in Mumbai, uh, as if somehow we made it happen. Uh, but, you know, all of this is happening in this city, just at a different time, but this vibration is still here of this experience that Paramahansa Yogananda had. And so we begin in this conversation between guru and disciple. Sri Yukteswarji continues, The ordinary astral universe, not the subtler astral, he astral heaven of Hiranyaloka, is peopled with millions of astral beings who have come more or less recently from earth, and also with myriads of fairies, mermaids, fishes, animals, goblins, gnomes, demigods, and spirits, all residing on different astral planets in accordance with karmic qualifications. Oh, it's a very varied population going yeah. on over here. Mermaids and gnomes and animals and fishes and goblins, gods, demigods. So you see there, you know, uh, we've got people who create these fantasy worlds for us. You've got the Lord of the Rings. You've got all sorts of Disney classical mm -hmm. movies. You've got dwarfs there, gnomes there, ogres there, all these different creatures that we think have been conjured up just by pure creativity. Some, some guy just someday just decided, you know what, I'm going to make this ugly looking guy and I'm going to call it an ogre or I'm going to make this tiny little thing and I'm going to call it a gnome. But all these um, creatures are actual memories that people have brought into this world and have been kind of expressed once again in this fantasy reality. But all these creatures, Master said, in fact, anything that the human mind can conjure up, including, say, werewolves, vampires, anything, is because it exists somewhere. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing that is, a, is entirely a figment of imagination. Everything has drawn inspiration from something that actually exists somewhere. And mostly, all of that expression, creative expression, is a memory. Various spheric mansions or vibratory regions are provided for good and evil spirits. Good ones can travel freely, but the evil spirits are confined to limited zones. In the same way that human beings live on the surface of the earth, worms inside the soil, fish in water, and birds in air, so astral beings of different grades are assigned to suitable vibratory quarters. I found this very fascinating. Yeah. When, when you first read this and you say, oh, you know, there's this big distinction between good and evil, and so, it always feels like, oh, you know, why, why would we create such 
strong demarcations. You know, why would we, this, these are the good people and these are the bad people. And, but then Sri Yukteswar qualifies it so impersonally and so beautifully. Oh, just like humans, you know, we live on the, on the surface. Fish live in the water. Birds live in the air. Worms live underground. I mean, it was just such a, yeah, of course. Because a fish needs what the water provides. The birds need what the air provides. So it's not like birds are bad, therefore we put them in the air and the fish are good, so we put them in the water. And it's just what does each individual need? Yet at the same time, I felt, you know, how we live in, in this world, we always wonder. We say, why is everybody having the com a common experience? Why aren't the bad people somewhere else? And why aren't all the good people in some way? I mean, we have this, almost we can say that there is a certain unfairness to life. You know, that those people who are not so elevated or not so joyful or not so kind, they're also having the same experience and they're probably having even sometimes a better experience than these other people who are really sweet and loving and kind and look at them and they're not getting what they should receive. And you see that the astral experience is when actually everybody gets to be exactly where they need to be. And the human earthly experiences where all those energies can commingle together so that we can find freedom in being completely strong, irrespective of all the forces around us. But when we're in the astral realm, we're only with those of our vibratory field. We're only spending time with those people who vibrate and resonate exactly with our, us. And on earth, what's happening is Internally, we're all vibrating differently. Externally, we're having a very similar experience. So inside, somebody is extremely negative. But they're, you know, they, me, us, we're all kind of hanging out together. But vibrationally, they're having a very different experience from the inside. And I'm having a very different experience from the outside. So when we get to the astral realm, those two energies can't be together those two energies will be assigned to two different vibratory spheres. And sometimes we feel like, wow, you know, that's a, such a restful moment for each of us, where we just get to be in that vibration. In fact, it's restful even for those who are in fact negative, because for them, being in that sphere won't be bad. It won't be like you are assigned to hell and these wonderful people are going to heaven. Somebody whose vibration is on that level will resonate very joyfully and happily and comfortably. In fact, they feel uncomfortable here. They feel uncomfortable in the presence of joy and positivity because that's not their experience. So internally, eh, there's conflict. And internally, they suffer. And externally, maybe they put on a very, oh, you know, nothing's going on with me. But andar andar se, we're having a fight. We're having war within ourselves. But imagine in the astral world, it might seem like bad and good exist. But those of us who resonate vibrationally will feel very comfortable where we are. We'll feel very comfortable in that moment. We won't be fighting. Even if we're expressing a lower vibration, we'll actually feel, ah, right, these are my people. <laughs> now I'm home. This is the vibration I'm most familiar with. And in this vibration, I have no conflict at all. So it's very restful from that perspective. So this idea, even though it's being said as good and evil, which gives us this idea that some people are having a wonderful time and some people are having a horrible time, 
But that's not necessarily true. They're just exactly where they need to be, exactly where their energy matches the environment and all the other people who are around them. Among the fallen dark angels expelled from other worlds, friction and war take place with lifetronic bombs or mental mantric vibratory rays. These beings dwell in the gloom-drenched regions of the lower astral cosmos, working out their evil karma. So, what do people who, who have that anger and jealousy and greed in them, what do they like to do? They like to fight. <laughs> I mean, they're doing it here. So, what do you think they're going to do when they go to the astral realm? They get to have these fights, but they get to enjoy it at the highest level. They can think and destroy and they can, you know, say words and destroy because that's the vibration they want to experience here. There are some people who enjoy conflict in a group, maybe you've ever seen, maybe you've had some friends who will always bring out the opposite thing to kind of trigger somebody. They enjoy that vibration of bringing disharmony. They enjoy the idea of, you know, I did one up on others. And then in the astral realms, they get to kind of go crazy with that. And they get to just experience just that for that period. I mean, it's to a certain degree, it's like, wow, even these guys are getting their day. You know, it's not like they're being, because we think of hell, oh, fire everywhere, they must be chained and they must be like sitting like this. And no, they're like throwing mantric bombs at each other and having a great time while they're doing it because that's what they like. That's what they're doing here too. They're using their words to hurt. There, they're using their words to actually create wars. And that's what the astral world is. Who you are and what you've created of your consciousness, you get to go and experience it in its entirety. I'm just getting all excited about this. In the vast realms above the dark astral prison, all is shining and beautiful. Now we've come up a little bit. The astral cosmos is more naturally attuned than the earth to the divine will and plan of perfection. Every astral object is manifested primarily by the will of God and partially by the will call of astral beings. They possess the power of modifying or enhancing the grace and form of anything already created by the Lord. He has given his astral children the freedom and privilege of changing or improving at will the astral cosmos. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. That would be fun to do. On earth, a solid must be transformed into liquid or any other form through natural or chemical processes. But astral solids can be changed into astral liquids, gases or energy solely and instantly by the will of the inhabitants. Now, I like this paragraph also because we've been given a technique that is very similar to that, and that is the energization exercises, which is this. By will, you can transform matter into energy. The only problem is we've, you know, we don't have that freer will that we'll be able to express in the astral world, but very much it's the same principle. We don't need through chemical, what's the chemical processes we use? Food, sunshine, the oxygen. So it needs a chemical process. 
break it down, break it further down, then you'll get a tiny energy packet out of the oxygen. You'll get a tiny energy packet out of the food that you eat. What our guru gave us is a technique that mimics the astral technique, which is directly from matter, we can mm, kind of take energy, transform it into energy. And the only thing that will do that is, as he keeps saying here, Sri Yukteswarji, by the will of the inhabitants. The stronger the will is, over there the will is freer and therefore able to express itself more powerfully. Our will is a little bit more contained because our identification with the physical body is a little stronger. Over there that identification is a little more loose. And so this idea that, oh yeah, I can, I can easily move from one form to the other is clearer. But over here, but we can and we should and we must get to the point where, so imagine if we can do it here in the, in the physical world, and we don't have to go through some of these things that Sri Yukteswarji is saying, where we first work out all our physical karma, then we go to the astral world, work out all the astral karma, then go. And we don't want to do that, because that's going to also take its sweet time. We want to go right from here all the way to the top. And so we have to manifest some of these astral possibilities here on Earth as well. I like that line when he says that God has given his children the privilege of changing or improving at will. And I was thinking that if each one of us, if we could think that one of the purposes of our life could be to improve the world around us, wherever we are, to improve our knowing, to improve um, our understanding about things, to improve and make better, you know, wherever we live at, at our workplace. But that word, improving, that should be like a, like a daily goal. What I have improved today, like almost training ourselves to achieve to that level where once we are in the astral plane, I mean, that would be like so natural for us. I mean, I was just contemplating the thought of it. I mean, the wanting to improve. I mean, when you have two choices, to improve a situation, to improve your ability to communicate, to improve your uh, thought patterns. I mean, it's, it's so uplifting. And I think sometimes we get caught up into the outward manifestation of things and we forget that actually God also has given us the free will on earth to improve things and, and make of our homes, of our lifestyle, um, a process of improving. And, and I think that could be a good question to ask ourselves daily. How much I have improved today, what I have perfected, what I have harmonized more, most today, more today. Astral beings dematerialize or materialize their forms at will. Flowers of fish or animals can metamorphose themselves for a time into astral men. All astral beings are free to assume any form and can easily commune together. 
No fixed, definite, natural law hems them round. An astral tree, for example, can be successfully asked to produce an astral mango or other desired fruit, flower, or indeed any object. So it doesn't even have to be fruit. You mm, want, uh, I want a phone, or <laughs> I don't know what people in the astral world want. Certain karmic restrictions are present, but there are no distinctions in the astral world about desirability of various forms. Everything is vibrant with God's creative light. No one is born of woman. Offspring are materialized by astral beings through the help of their cosmic will into spe specially patterned astrally condensed forms. There it is, that will again. The recently physically disembodied being arrives in an astral family through invitation drawn by similar mental and spiritual tendencies. I wonder how all this plays out. <laughs> These people leaving this world, going there and waiting to be invited into whose, which astral world am I going to get invited into? Where is my vibration? Must be a sorting room of some sort. Where are you go through that door and you go through that door. But I like very much the concept that is used in the astral world. Like everything is by invitation. You know, it's just like when you feel you are ready to invite a particular vibration in the form of a person into your life. I know many of our friends are looking for a partner and they don't know even how to go about it, you know. And here it says so clearly, you know, by invita invitation, you think about that particular soul quality, the kind of tendencies, the kind of personality, the kind of consciousness that you want to attract into your life. And here, of course, uh, Sri Yukteswar is talking about souls. But what about projects and situations in our lives and the law of abundance and prosperity? That can also, if we tune into the invitation of that particular situation and consciousness in our lives, I think it will be a awesome thing to practice rather than by forcing a particular thing to come to us like just meditate and invite the kind of project the kind of clients the kind of cafe that you want to materialize and invite that manifestation to come into your life and everything that will and everyone that will be involved in the process should resonate and should have specific tendencies and qualities. And, and I think that's, that's a fabulous way to start living our daily lives. You know, I want to invite this particular stream of consciousness into my life, I think, in resonance with your own. The astral body is not subject to cold or heat or other natural conditions. The anatomy includes an astral brain or the thousand-petaled lotus of light and six awakened centers in the shushumna or astral cerebrospinal axis. The heart draws cosmic energy as well as light from the astral brain and pumps it to the astral nerves and body cells or lifetrons. Astral beings can affect their bodies by lifetronic force or by mantric vibrations.
there it is again the principle of the energization exercises drawing that energy by will and then transmitting that energy to all parts of the body the astral body is an exact counterpart of the last physical form astral beings retain the same appearance which they possessed in youth in their previous earthly sojourn occasionally an astral being chooses like myself to retain his old age appearance as shri uteshwar ji did unlike the spatial three dimensional physical world cognized only by the five senses the astral spheres are visible to the all inclusive sixth sense intuition by sheer intuitional feeling all astral beings see hear smell taste and touch they possess three eyes two of which are partly closed the third and chief astral eye vertically placed on the forehead is open so like lord shiva astral beings have all outer sensory organs the ears eyes nose tongue and skin but they employ the intuitional sense to experience sensations through any part of the body they can see through the ear or nose or skin they are able to hear through the eyes or tongue and can taste through the ears or skin and so forth man's physical body is exposed to countless dangers and is easily hurt or maimed the ethereal astral body may occasionally be cut or bruised but is healed at once by mere willing and then yogananda ji asks gurudev are all astral persons beautiful beauty in the astral world is known to be a spiritual quality and not an outward conformation astral beings therefore attach little importance to facial features they have the privilege however of costuming themselves at will with new colorful astrally materialized bodies just as worldly men don new array for gala events so astral beings find occasions to bedeck themselves in specially designed forms so there our bodies are really like clothes <laughs> just all right today i'm going to put on this more pretty more vibrant body and then i can let go of it after the evening is over it's such a nice question no yogananda are all astral persons beautiful and and i'm so glad he asked that because now we can see the concept of beauty at that level and not necessarily what we think beauty is and he will go now a little bit in depth about it joyous astral festivities on the higher astral planes like hiranyaloka take place when a being is liberated from the astral world through spiritual advancement and is therefore ready to enter the heaven of the causal world so that's what their festivals are about <laughs> you know not what happened in the past or what somebody did at some point it's like when each soul is about to get liberated then the whole astral world goes into festival mode celebrates that moment and this is in a sense what happens in every kriya initiation mm-hmm. it's it's a moment of celebration because the soul is just moving forward 
And it is said, and many of us have felt that in those pre-initiations, especially when someone is about to, to receive their creature, their kriya technique, all of us in that ceremony feel so happy because we know what that means for the revolution. And you can feel that, that joy in the air and feel all these beings surrounding this ceremony is just like welcoming to to the soul for their next step and and i think the spiritual path is kind of a replica Mm -hmm. of of the astral world because for us every time someone learns how to meditate that's such a happy moment i mean we just know that they are receiving a technique that can take them to freedom or when someone takes discipleship and find their own guru another moment to rejoice and celebrate and then you keep move for, keep moving forward and someone takes their kriya initiation you know wow we're just they are getting closer and closer and i'm sure you know it will keep moving forward with higher initiations and other more subtle initiations that we are not yet aware of and they are still happening. But, but I love the fact that there is, so, there is so much on the spiritual path that is celebrated and has nothing to do with age, nothing to do with you know, an achievement at work, but it's about how the soul keeps moving forward and there are many moments in our lives that need to be uh, celebrated. On such occasions, the invisible Heavenly Father and the saints who are merged in Him materialize themselves into bodies of their own choice and join the astral celebration. In order to please His beloved devotee, the Lord takes any desired form. If the devotee worship through devotion, he sees God as the Divine Mother. To Jesus, the Father aspect of the Infinite One was appealing beyond other conceptions. The individuality with which the Creator has endowed each of His creatures makes every conceivable and inconceivable demand on the Lord's versatility. Friends of other lives easily recognize one another in the astral world. Rejoicing at the immortality of friendship, they realize the indestructibility of love, often doubted at the time of the sad, delusive partings of earthly life. The intuition of astral beings pierces through the veil and observes human activities on earth, but man cannot view the astral world unless his sixth sense is somewhat developed. Thousands of earth dwellers have momentarily glimpsed an astral being or an astral world. Before we go on here, just it's lovely to see that, that relationship and especially him picking it up from that quality of friendship. And that's what really in the astral world we recognize most easily. Mm-hmm. Swamiji always talked about all of us, especially, you know, have come together here to, you can say, re-express the unity, vibrational unity. We all want to be together. We all want to spend as much time with each other and create something together. It's like, it's not because that's what we need to do in this world. 
He says, that's just because all of us have done that before in the astral plane. It's a natural impulse for us. It's not a, all right, our guru said all of us should live together, so let's start doing that. Okay, <laughs> nobody's happy about it, but just because the guru said, let's. No, we want to. We feel that same resonance. And again, we get to actually build an astral reality here where we do put ourselves vibrationally in a space that actually works for us, that actually allows us to express more and more of ourselves. Because otherwise, sometimes it's harder, isn't it? Inwardly, we'd like to express more joy, more kindness, more love. But then people say, oh, I can't do that at work because people take advantage of me when I do, when I am sweet. Oh, I can't do that in my family because so-and-so person makes fun of you know this reality. And again and again, you just see there are these inner expressions that people feel is stifled in the world feels that they can't fully express themselves because they you know either will be taken advantage of or will be misunderstood so there everybody's looking for a place where that inner sense of who they feel they are is able to come out more and more and those divine friendships really allow us to do that that's what's going to help us feel comfortable enough to be able to be exactly who we are without being misunderstood, without having to hide our light, without having to suppress the you know, subtler, more refined aspects of our being. And that's just because that's what we've been doing for a long time. And some remember, have that astral memory and say, I want to do that again. The advanced beings on Hiranyaloka remain mostly awake in ecstasy during the long astral day and night helping to work out integrate problems of cosmic government and the redemption of prodigal sons and earth-bound souls. This is such a weird yeah. thought for me. Like, cosmic government. Yeah, you know, there's a cosmic government and the, all the people of Hiranyaloka are somehow, you know, managing that. But I was like, that's, you know, it makes sense because mm. if you think about a regular government, right, there are laws in place, but you need people to enforce those laws. You need people to look and see whether those laws are being, you know, managed in the right way. You need people, so you've got, you know, you've got your clerks, you've got your IAS officers, you've got your politicians, you've got all these people, and their sole job is to make what has already been put in place function. To make the constitution, to make the penal code, to make whatever it is, that's already been kind of imprinted. So there are cosmic laws that God's created, but those cosmic laws, uh, laws need individual souls, astral beings apparently, who are managing and seeing, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody has to maintain that karmic book. Somebody has to kind of make sure that vibrationally, you've seen some of these cartoons. I don't know which one was, there was a recent one. I think it was called Soul. Was it called Soul? <laughs> yeah. And you know, I mean, they've, they have their own version of it, but all these people coming and they're taking, you know, <laughs> keeping these ledgers of who goes to earth and where do they go and when do they go. And this one soul apparently slips through and uh, goes there without having kind of been sanctioned. So imagine when that happens, then they have to send two other souls to bring the soul back. And, you know, it's a little comical and it's fun, but there must be some flow of awareness of the same kind with these astral beings, everybody's kind of playing a role because at the end of the day, otherwise, what do you do in the astral worlds? 
when I read this, it me sounds to me like these astral beings are just walking around, drinking whatever, eating whatever, sleeping whenever, and making merry. And that's why we, we have this idea that, oh, I want to go to this heaven, because then over there I get to do whatever I want, and I get to do, you know, just live a decadent, indulgent lifestyle. I mean, so that's our idea. That's the heaven that people, you know, that mostly the version of heaven that is fed to us. Once you're in heaven, you can just do whatever, be whoever, and that's very appealing, but no, all these people work. <laughs> all these people have jobs, even in the astral world. They have sevas that they are doing. Everybody is still mm -hmm. serving the larger cosmic reality. Nobody's just going there. There's no vacation time. <laughs> even in the astral world, it's beautiful, it's lovely. Yes, you can eat mangoes and oranges from the same tree. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You still have to go to work. You still have to make something happen. You still have to participate. You still have to give. There is no reality where you just get to sip, you know, sit by the opalescent astral lakes and just sip on, you know, whatever astral mana or elixir of life that they drink that over there. Wouldn't be cool just to be part of these committees and <laughs> government. I mean, I was thinking like, I would love to work on myself to such extent that my desire to help others can be so refined, so selfless, so motivated only by pure love, just by, by the joy of giving without expecting anything, by the joy of just wanting to improve something. That's, that's the, the very reward of wanting to serve and help at that level that then once we go to Iranyaloka, you know, we can be part of that circle of souls who are really solely focused to help all of us here on earth. I would love to hang out <laughs> <laughs> with those evolved souls that that's their only purpose in Iranyaloka to uplift, you know, to introduce uplifting thoughts to people that are struggling with negativity and depression, with, you know, to people who are sad, you know, introducing uplifting thoughts of creativity and beauty and harmony. I mean, I would love to be part of that way of serving. And of course, I'm not ready yet because I'm still understanding how can I be a better and pure channel here, wherever I am, where God has placed me with the people around me. And I have not perfected that. I'm still struggling every day how to improve my ability, ability to serve. But, but the more the more we keep reminding ourselves that the, the better we do here, the more will be the chances that when we go to those realms, according to our own karma, we will be able to, to hang out with them and, and learn from them and be part of Sri Uteswar's team because they need us there as well. They need that kind of refinement of consciousness where we can keep helping each other and our friends that will come later on and they will be reborn on earth. 
And I think that was Swamiji's hallmark. He said, I have come on earth only because two desires. To want to find God and to help others to find him. He, he was in that astral realm. And he said, the astral world always felt much more familiar to me than this material world. So you could see Swamiji. He was, he, he was with us very present. He was aware that his job in this lifetime was to help you, to help me, to just uplift ourselves. But, but a part of his consciousness always remained in that astral world and how that world operates. And Ananda, in a sense, is a, is a replica or close to how to live in the astral world, world could be. So if nothing else, let's take from today onwards our daily life as an opportunity to improve and to come to that um, understanding that, you know, the more we change ourselves, the more we'll be able to be part of these, you know, amazing gurus that are keeping you know, all these worlds, all these planets and cosmic governments together. I wonder what their meetings are like. Yeah. <laughs> Communication among the astral inhabitants. Oh, one second. One missing. Inhabitants in all parts of the astral worlds are still subject to mental agonies. The sensitive minds of the higher beings on planets like Hiranyaloka feel keen pain if any mistake is made in conduct or perception of truth. These advanced beings endeavor to attune their every act and thought with the perfection of spiritual law. Amazing how even a tiny infraction, even a tiny when they go just a little bit off from that perfection, they can actually experience that instant pain of having kind of deviated from truth, deviated from that path to perfect freedom. It takes us a lot. We're, we're a lot denser. We make so many mistakes before it even occurs to us. Maybe, maybe this isn't where I should be going. And then we defend our mistakes yeah, so strongly. There was a reason why I made that mistake. And... It would be nice to get an instant little pinch in the back when, when the moment a thought comes that's not good for you. It would be, would be very nice to be constantly reminded, but that's not how God's going to do it. He's going to invite as the astral world does. He won't force us in. In fact, as Narayani was saying when Swami created Ananda, you know, with these let's say, astral principles in mind, that's why he said we're not going to create too many rules. Is because if we create rules, then it's like who can be, who can't be, who should, who shouldn't. So we're just going to let the energy of the place self-select. Those people who resonate with us vibrationally will get drawn in further. And those people who, whose vibration doesn't resonate, little by little, they will naturally kind of be drawn away. 
And as I said, through invitation alone, we just have to, what our job is, is to keep our vibration and the vibration of the place true. If we, if the majority of us start deviating, that's when issues will start to come. But if the majority of us can stay true to that vibration, which is, again, it requires that intuitive sixth sense. Because it's not a vibration you can put to words. It's not a vibration that I can have some sort of a thing written and say, our vibration means, you know, X, Y, and Z. You come, you feel, and then you start acting in accordance with it. You start changing your thought patterns in accordance to it until you start to realize, oh yeah, now, now I feel. We often, you know, we've got words in Ananda like, this isn't very Ananda-like. Or in Ananda, we don't do it this way. And there's, there's no written, you know, rule anywhere. Nobody has said that it's not this way. You just feel, no, this doesn't feel right. This vibration of this thought pattern just doesn't feel right. And then you come back and say, ah, oh, now, yeah, yeah, when I do it this way, this feels right to me. I mean, in fact, not necessarily just because Ananda. Ananda is just a particular state of consciousness. And, and when we are far from that perfect consciousness of dharma, of truth, or of, of harmony, to just really feel it. And Swamiji said that Ananda is not just the definition of, of who we are. Ananda is a platform that can take you to that perfect state of consciousness. So, so for all of us who are daily trying to, you know, be part of that particular center through Ananda, which is a constant reminder of being in that center and, and continue to move forward. But I was thinking, Oshuja, when you were saying, like, for many people may think, well, what about if I'm not part of Ananda? Yeah. But Ananda, <laughs> yeah, you are also part of the soul evolution. So please don't feel left behind. But when we speak about Ananda, this is something that Swamiji wanted to also make it very clear. We are just not a sect. We are not just, you know, a particular... We are just very dedicated souls that are just working on self-improvement. And we are just trying to remind each other in a much more focused uh, setting, place, with a little bit more of a structure, lifestyle, that that structure is only reinforcing and reminded us what we have chosen and what are we trying to accomplish in this lifetime. So for many of you, won't be Ananda, but it should be a platform, um, a particular vib vibrationary uh, field or group of people that will remind you to keep moving forward. I mean, and that's very, very important. The environment is stronger than willpower, and we need each other. We need to be in, in settings, in situations where, where we need to support each other in the process. So if you are seriously considering, you know, give it a try, find your support system and, and stick to it and, and find ways that, and remember that this is something that it's, it's important to do.
Communication among the astral inhabitants is held entirely by astral telepathy and television. There is none of the confusion and misunderstanding of the written and spoken word which earth dwellers must endure. Which is what we are having here, <laughs> trying our best to communicate something but always falling a little bit short. So much room for misunderstanding, isn't there? That's why Narayan had to immediately come in. Oh, we're, we're not mean, Ananda. In this. <laughs> Let me break the walls here so that nobody feels. Because <laughs> there's only so many words we have and there's only so many ways That's we can true. express them. Mastermind, do astral beings eat anything? This is now the next question. Okay, Yogananda is always, you know, he's on our side. He's like, let me ask all these questions so that people get a sense of what's going on over there. Luminous ray-like vegetables abound in the astral soils. The astral beings consume vegetables and drink a nectar flowing from glorious fountains of light and from astral brooks and rivers. Just as invisible images of persons on the earth can be dug out of the ether and made visible by a television apparatus, later being dismissed again into space, so the God created unseen astral blueprints of vegetables and plants floating in the ether are precipitated on an astral planet by the will of the inhabitants. So what does that mean in all these many words? Is that there's, you know, nobody has to farm, nobody's created. This is the vegetable, astral vegetable patch. It's just that when you need it, it's there for you. You can draw it from the astral blueprint. Here's a vegetable to eat. Here's this food. It appears and then disappears. So land, if there is any such thing in the astral world, has multiple uses. You can build or you can, you know, there's no, all right, I've already used this only to grow vegetables. So now if I want to do something else, I have to go to another piece of land. No, the same area can grow vegetables, can hold your house for a moment, can hold whatever festivities. And you just materialize and dematerialize things at will, depending on what you need at that moment. The earth-liberated astral beings meet a multitude of relatives, fathers, mothers, wives, husbands and friends acquired during different incarnations on earth, as they appear from time to time in various parts of the astral realms. So now we've got you know, incarnations of experience, we've got incarnations of relationships, and not all of them are going to be vibrationally resonant with where we are. So you've got this mother popping up on, you know, a higher astral realm, let's say somewhere else, and this friend popping up on a lower astral realm somewhere else, and you've just got these, you know, people that you've met in the flow of eternity, kind of go showing up all over the map, and you were probably through, you know, that intuitional sixth sense, you suddenly know, oh, oh, I think my mom just came. <laughs> oh, no, you know, my friend from Ananda Mumba just showed up. <laughs> he, where are we? Yeah. He is therefore at a loss to understand whom to love especially. He learns in this way to give divine and equal love to all as children and individualized expressions of God. Over here you'll see Swam, uh, Swamiji making, Swami uh, Sri Yukteswar, making two distinctions. He'll call astral beings and inhabitants, and he also refers to visitors. Mm -hmm. 
So visitors are probably us popping in and out because they're only there for a moment after they've left the earthly world. They're there just for a little period and their karma draws them back. And then there are astral inhabitants who've left behind earthly karma and are just all living there, moving from one astral realm to the higher astral realm to higher astral realms until they reach Hiranyaloka from where they then go into the causal realm. So as you can see, it's, uh, it's, it's a long process. But that's the difference that we need to be tuning into, is that there are the inhabitants, there'll be a time when we'll be there, and then there are visitors popping up all the time. So there's this one person who is achieved because he says, Earth-liberated astral beings. So they're already liberated from Earth. They're in their kind of vibrational field where all the visitors can't come. And the visitors can't be in Hiranyaloka. Hiranyaloka is not a... You know, it's not an amusement park. It's only for those who've actually worked all that earthly karma out. So we, when we're talking about the astral worlds, we're talking about these two kind of people, and it'll be an interesting mix there. You know, people who are visiting, people who actually live there. And again, I'm thinking about Ananta, <laughs> just because that's the only reality I know. You know, we've got the community and people who live there, and then we've got a lot of people who come on retreats. You know, and they come and they stay for a week or they stay for a month and, and then they go. And the people who live there are in charge of making sure the place is uplifting, that, you know, that everything that's needed. So the people who are visiting don't have to think about, do I have a toothbrush and where does water come from and who's going to make my meals? All that's taken care. And the inhabitants, you know, they host the visitors and the visitors come in and out depending on the time that they're going to spend there, depending on the heaviness or the magnetism of their earthly karma, how quickly it's going to call them back. So on that note of visitors and inhabitants, it's another interesting thought for us to have. Are we, you know, visitors of this vibration? Because a lot of people come to visit. Oh, can I come over to the ashram and just visit? Which means I'm happy to be in that vibration temporarily. And I don't mean it as a physical space. Mm -hmm. And then I want to go back and just be who I am. You know, and I want to live out whatever other aspects of my life that I want to live. Mm -hmm. And as inhabitants, it's our job to ensure right. that we're, yeah. we're creating the right vibration. Because you see, again and again, every time... A vibration remains. Every time a soul returns to the astral world and comes back, a little bit more of that memory comes. And then that desire to express astral realities on earth becomes stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. That's why we want to start living more and more refined lives. We want to start living more uplifting lives. Because the more we're drawing from that memory, the stronger the impulse becomes on earth. And that's what we create to a certain degree. As many times as people come to visit this vibration, they go back and say, oh, now it's not enough for me to just go back to my regular life. Now I want to live in that vibration. But it's not possible for everybody. Just vibrationally, it is not possible for everybody. A lot of people do come and say, I want to live in this way and I want to live in these communities. And they come and after a while they realize they're not able to mm -hmm. maintain and in some cases, it's appropriate for them just to come and visit. So there's no that, oh, everybody has to do it this way. There is no one way to do it. But those of us who perhaps choose the responsibility on us as an inhabitant is 
very high to make sure that that vibration is true and remains. And so each of you, wherever you are in your home, when visitors come to your home, let them feel that they've come to an astral world. Let them feel that they've come to a vibration that's, wow, it's just so uplifting. But I can only stay in it for a little while because then I have to go back to my own place. We have actually already seen that at the cafe. I mean, just within two weeks, we opened the cafe. We have regular mm-hmm. customers. I mean, cli- customers, no? I mean, just, they, friends. They just, they're friends, you know, they have become friends. But they came one day and they just felt so good by being there just for half an hour, 45 minutes. Next day, they wanted to come again. And for the last two weeks, we have seen already people who have come every single day. And recently they are telling us, you know, I, I'm at home or I'm at work and I, I suddenly find myself thinking about the cafe. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with the coffee, with the cafe itself, but the vibration and how they feel about themselves when they are in that particular atmosphere. So each one of us should feel responsible for providing a space where you can make other people to feel better about themselves. And, and I think that's a beautiful um, duty and job that we could assign to ourselves. I'm going to make a point today wherever I would be Whatever I will be doing, I'm going to provide a space where people are going to feel better about themselves. And, and I'm, I'm loving the process of the cafe for that reason, because we don't say anything to anybody. We don't hardly say who we are, what are we doing. It's so impersonal. It's just a vibration that anyone can be part of. And you see already that vibration inviting lovingly people who are resonating already with that vibration, with that energy. And I'm very curious to see what's going to happen in the next few weeks and months and the kind of perhaps like a mini little astral world, you know, that can be created in the form of the Ananda Cafe. So if you have not visited yet, I, we highly recommend for you to come and, and have an experience of your own, of what it means to be in a very uplifting, refined environment where your energy suddenly expands and you just enter into a different um, realm in the middle of the city. Well, hopefully we'll see you all there. Tomorrow we have a very... Uh, a fun satsang with by one of our devotees here by yes. Abhijit and the topic is 